listening to episode 29 of Caucasus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. My name's Andrew. I'm your host, Eli, and we have some cool news to start off with. Killing the gap. One more time. <laughs> we got Crushing it. Crushing it. Shot the gap. Like an empty can of pop or soda. Shot the gap. Um, well, what's, what's the big news, Eli? The big news is that we have entered the 21st century as a podcast. <laughs> um, we do have a few uh, social media accounts out there that are lying dormant. Yes. <laughs> but one that we have finally powered up is our Facebook page. The Facebook page has risen its head. And by we, I... I do mean Andrew. I may be the, the, the tech guy, but Andrew's, he's the social butterfly. Eli, any, any snarky <laughs> comments on there will be from Eli. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, listeners, we, this is definitely one thing Eli and I have lamented to each other is just, we don't really have a platform to interact with you, our listeners. And so- a couple- That's actually intentional. We don't really want to- <laughs> feedback. We just think we're great. Hold you at a distance, comfortable distance (laughs) as much as possible. But, you know, several of you have taken the initiative and emailed us this past year and we've loved that. Which we know is like, it's like, like typing out a letter on a typewriter and mailing it. I mean, (laughs) we get that. It's like not much further behind. So sorry. Yeah. But, uh, so let's give a shout out to those folks. First of all, we've given so far. Andrew. I have right here, you won't believe what I have, in honor of what I just said, I'm going to type on this typewriter. Here, let's turn the mic. Let's just get the mic on this right here. We're looking at a real typewriter. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for writing. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Moving right along. That was amazing. I'm getting flashbacks. That was not a sound effect. That was not like... Foley. I'm getting flashbacks to my grandma's weekly family letters. Oh, you lucky dog. You got family letters on a typewriter? Oh, that was that's a distinct childhood memory of mine. You I'm know. jealous. Okay. So, in the last month, listen to who has reached out to us on our podcast just through emailing us. We've heard from Ivar in Norway. Yes. We've heard from Rich in the UK. Right. <laughs> Who's actually here in the Caucasus right now. Shout out to uh-huh. Rich. He's trekking through the Caucasus. Awesome. We've also heard from Mark in the UK. We've heard from Ricardo in Australia. Woo! Yes. And then we've heard from a lot of different people from the United States. Dan, Rick, Kevin, um, and innumerable others innumerable <laughs> yes and and women too actually since just just because all those names were male i noticed we had a we amber have... and amber who posted on our website that's right posted yeah. it's right there and we've the gotten reviews from people i don't know who they are so as you can tell we are pretty easy to please <laughs> yes yes it's very <laughs> true um but anyways Basically, we, we want to interact with you more listeners, and the Facebook page is going to be great. This is going to give us an opportunity to post more content. Uh, there's a lot of good content that's consistently being produced on the World Wide Web about the North Caucasus. Um, and so 
Not why did you call it that? <laughs> it just came to me. <laughs> <laughs> the typewriter, the 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 letters, and then and then the World Wide Web. C- yeah. Carry on. So we want to have basically a forum where we can interact more about the North Caucasus in a positive way, just like we do on this podcast. Um. So yeah, just like our show, our Facebook page is called Caucus Talk. Mm-hmm. So facebook.com forward slash caucus talk. Go on there, like it, follow it, get all the sweet deals and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And of course you'll be able to post any questions you have or thoughts or interactions as well. And it's just one more well, way we can be in touch. I mean, we had an email this week uh, asking how to access the show notes, which is a totally legit question because if you, in IMHO, in my humble opinion, the podcast uh, app on smartphones is not all that intuitive. You have to get like a lot of taps to get through to what you want to listen to. Yes. Anyway, when it's playing, when you have the main graphic of the of the podcast there, you actually just scroll up, though it doesn't look like you can do that. You scroll up, down, whatever, swipe up, and and the show notes will be there. But of course, they're also on our website, but most people probably don't access our website. The Facebook page will be a really great way for us to share images and videos that we reference, and I think it'll make it a lot more accessible. Perfect. There'll be a link on our website. There'll be a link in everywhere we can put links. Awesome. Lots of links. We'll be very link happy. So anyways, (laughs) check that out. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, hopefully this will only increase kind of the interaction and the... the good vibes about the North Caucasus. Well, moving right along. <laughs> yes, I said good vibes, Eli. <laughs> hey, let's talk about the World Cup. It just, it just finished. It just, it just fini. Il est fini. But I think that means it's dead when you say il est fini in French. I think... Uh, oh man, my French is shot thanks to Russian. Hey, but it was it was a month long party here in the country with the World Cup, and you know I'm just I'm really happy about it. Like almost exclusively, people who were here have had good things to say about their experience in the country, and yeah, their interactions with locals. Pretty much everything has been positive feedback. Gagner, that's how you say to win in French. Ah. Ils ont gagné. They have won. Congrats to the to the French national uh, football team winning the World Cup, 2018 World Champs. It's going to keep the French is going to start bubbling up now that I've tapped at it. <laughs> you know, like a little tap tap bubble. So it's going to just get ready. Yeah, but of course, I feel like we're a little late on on this episode. But <laughs> I think that's more than a feeling. <laughs> yeah. But better late than never, like they say. All right. So while the World Cup is, is while the afterglow is fading into the distance, we're going we're gonna to swoop in with a kind of final word. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if any of our listeners were here attending the World Cup. We'd love to hear from you if, if you were and hear about your experiences. Now, you didn't go to any games, did you, Andrew? I did not make it to a match. Of course, I was very disappointed. Uh, the USA did not qualify. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I watched every Russia match, and I watched a good number of matches. And we had a couple viewing parties at our house, projected, projected the matches onto the wall. 
Now, I'm just going to come clean and say I've been traveling for a month with my family. Okay, four kids. So <laughs> I'm going to just let everyone know I did not <clears throat> get to manage to watch a single match. Wow. Um, that's also because I'm not very interested in soccer. It's true. But I will tell you this. On Sunday, when the World Cup final was, I was out of cell service. I was so far up in the woods on a family camping trip. And I drove by myself down to a rinky-dink little bar in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) And I walked in and asked if anyone knew when the World Cup was playing. And nobody did. That is And that Wi-Fi. And I texted my friend and he said it was at eight in the morning. You missed it. (laughs) So for me, that's like about as good as seeing it. I mean, you know, I didn't see it. But it's like my heart, as much as my heart could be there, it was there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I went down to the rinky dink bar also. The main reason, Andrew, was to upload an episode. That's what I was thinking. Of caucus talk. We'll give you a pass on that one match. Yeah, we uh, my into it. we were in the country of Georgia, my family and I, uh, during the quarterfinals, which is Russia had an awesome run, and then uh, they had a heartbreaking loss in penalty kicks to Croatia. But yeah. my my wife and I stayed up till one a.m. in Georgia watching the whole match, and when it finished. I was so stunned. I was so confident they were going to advance, and we oh. we were just speechless. And then we fell straight asleep. But <laughs> I might have had something to do it, with speechlessness. It, it was really sad. It was really yeah. sad. But don't you think it was like a noble sadness? I mean, from what yeah. I heard, the stadium just applauded them for getting so far. Yeah, I think after after getting over the initial shock, yeah, yeah, they made a great run. So props to the Russian national team. A very yeah. memorable run. So Very memorable. Let's. We're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> for most of us, doesn't mean much. We're gonna kick me. this episode off uh, with a quiz, not for Eli, but for our listeners. Okay, that's good because I saw in the notes that this quiz was coming, and I already looked up all the answers, so I wouldn't look like a total imbecile. So I'm glad this isn't for me. So. This is a great (laughs) Russian city geography quiz. Listeners, right now, can you name all 11 host cities of the Russian World Cup? Dude, ask them if they can name half. There are two cities I've never even heard of, and I live here. How How about five? Five cities. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a very nice half because that's less than half. (laughs) Okay, we'll say five cities. Listeners, take a moment right now. We're going to wait. We're going to hold off on giving the answers. But either email us at podcast at caucustalk.com or Or, right on our Facebook page. Caucus Talk, just type it in on Facebook. Who can name five of the host cities? If you are a Russian, it does not count. It does not count if you are uh, you Russian. Have to be a, yeah, you cannot be a local person. You got to be a uh, person who does not live in the country of Russia. All right. So, listeners, we're going to say the answers now. I'm going to try to re- recite from memory all 11 cities. Let me start. 
I think I can do it. All right, ready? I'll test you. Go. All right, Moscow and St. Petersburg. Those are the obvious duh, two. Duh. <laughs> Sochi. Yes. Rostov. Volgograd. Ekaterinburg. And he even says it nicely, guys. Yes. Samora. That's right. Saransk. That was one I've never heard of. <laughs> Kaliningrad. Correct. Nizhny Novgorod. Also one I've never heard of. Oh, man. What is the 11th? It's the most sporty city in the country. Hold on a second. You can, I, you can cook in it. I'm working through the geography right now of where all the no, cities are. It's heavy and cast iron. Yeah, that, that's not helping me. Oh, come on. Uh, what can you cook in that's heavy and cast iron? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm blanking. It's okay, Andrew. 10 out of 11. But let's, give him a, let's give him a little golf clap. That was great. That was really great. You're going to kick yourself. Because wow. on this one, because on this one, because on this one, you're going to realize that the name of the city. Kazan, Kazan. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's see. That was great. Yeah. But 11, 11 host cities, um, all in the western part of the country. First, first listener we hear from that sends us five of the cities. Uh, Eli, I'm sure, has some Caucasus prize that he'll get in the Ooh, mail to you. prizes. <laughs> yeah, we can do a prize. I don't mind. We got prizes. Coming out yeah. the wazoo. So, listeners, actually, obviously, I think after watching the World Cup, you probably realized um, football or soccer is a big deal in Russia. And um, they're actually, it's a really big deal in the North Caucasus, too. Um, and we've actually had several listeners reach out to us asking us about sports in the North Caucasus and specifically people who are followers of soccer teams or football teams in the North Caucasus. Now we gotta um, just so let's just figure out our nomenclature here. We're gonna go with football or soccer. Uh, of course we're Americans and I always want to say soccer, but I know the rest of the world says football. Football. Let's try our best to do let's try our best to do say football. All right. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna build, I'm gonna paint a picture for our listeners. We're gonna talk about the World Cup, but specifically about the Caucasus connections to the World Cup. And then we're going to work our way from world level to Russia level, Europe level to Russia level to Caucasus level, the significance of soccer in the North Caucasus. You said soccer. Sound good? There we go. Okay. <laughs> so in that list of cities I just gave you, obviously there were no Caucasus cities that hosted matches. Sochi was the closest. Rostov is actually pretty close. Um, but Sochi, some would say, is a Caucasus city. It's right on the edge, the western edge of the Caucasus Mountains. But there were two cities in the Caucasus that hosted teams, teams as their training bases. Yeah. That's right. So the first and probably the one that got the most press was Grozny, Chechnya. That's where the Egyptian national team stayed and trained. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, Yesentuki, which is very close to where we live in Petit Gorse, they hosted the Nigerian national team. Okay. 
So the Caucasus, they got a, lot, a little bit of love. And I heard a good number of stories of uh, tourists traveling through the North Caucasus. Um, yeah. So there was a great article that was written about a one journalist experience traveling through the North Caucasus. Um, and this is fun because this is a, the Associated Press, which is uh, an outside news source, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. The The author, his name's Hamza Hindawi. He's Egyptian and he's a, I'm, I'm almost positive he's Egyptian from what I can tell. But uh, he, yeah, he writes for the, the AP, New York Times, Time Magazine. I mean, his articles are published all over the world. And he made a trip. He traveled all throughout the World Cup, but he traveled to Grozny to report on the Egyptian national team. And uh, wow, he, he, he really had some good experiences uh, Perfect. that he wrote yeah. about. So I want to, uh, the title of the article, we'll link this in the show notes, is Muslim Arabs Find Warm Welcome in Russia's Remote Grozny. And so I just want to read a couple quotes from this article. He said, so he, he did a real good job in the article, basically writing about his encounters with individuals along the way. So one thing he said was, for me in town to cover Egypt's national team, which had made Grozny its base for the World Cup, that meant a taxi driver who refused to accept money because I was a guest at his home. So that off, that off the bat, I, am, I doubt in many other cities people did that for foreigners, like taxi drivers refused to take payment, you know? I'm sure there were some cases, but like that's very classic Caucasus. I don't think that's happened to me yet. Then, let's see, another experience he had was, he said, one young stranger was kind enough to decipher a Russian menu for me and then offered me a free lift to the stadium. So again, this was like somebody he met in a restaurant who then gave him a free ride where he needed to go. Didn't he say he mistook the uh, the head of his hotel for a taxi driver? <laughs> <laughs> this this story is hilarious. So listen to what he said. He says, "I mistook the hotel's owner, a slender man in his forties, for a taxi driver when he offered to drive me to a money changer. <laughs> as I quit, as I quizzed him about the motive behind his offer, the exchange was cut short by a hotel employee." who put her mobile phone in front of my face. He (laughs) is the owner. Read the words on the screen. (laughs) That must have been so funny. Yeah. There's no clue. Yeah. Um, And then he, he finishes his article by saying, despite my fascination with Grozny, other Russian cities impressed me too. I'll never forget St. Petersburg's summer white nights along with the Neva River's beautiful bridges and architecture. Moscow impressed me with its wide boulevards, beautiful river and orderliness. But Moscow also has an edge. One waitress seemed angry with me for not understanding Russian. And when I asked a waiter at my Moscow hotel for milk, he screamed, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) It was a stark contrast to my reception in Grozny, where I'd been treated like a treasured guest. So yeah, Um, I think, that's just yep. a, it's a great article because he's reporting facts, but he's telling stories story. of what it's yeah. actually like to, yeah. And I mean, we've had a lot of friends and guests. We've hosted a lot of people coming through and this is consistently their reaction is they expected maybe one thing, 
but they were blown away by the individual hospitality that people showed them. Yeah, so. Agreed. Good job, Grosny. Good job, Grosny, <laughs> hosting all kinds of people. Yeah, so um, Grosny and Asantiki hosted matches in the North Caucasus. Um, hosted teams. And hosted teams, that's right, sorry. And there was actually a good number of coaches and players on the Russian national team who either are from the Caucasus or play on teams in the North Caucasus. So like club the, teams. Yeah. 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 So we'll start with most significant, the coach, the head coach, which all of you who are watching the world cup saw, he had a bald head with a mustache. He probably looked oh, yeah, very guy. Russian to you. He was a Setian. He's a Setian. What? The head coach of the Russian national team. Yes. Stanislav Cherchesov is a Setian and he grew huh. up in Alagir in uh, oh. North Ossetia and he got his humble beginnings. Uh, he was a star goalie during the Soviet Union times for the Russian national team. And, uh, but he played in his early years for the club team in Vladikavkaz. Now, let me just plug that in the coming month, I think we are going Oh, no, it's after that. We have um, some upcoming, in their own words, an upcoming interview with Ossetians, which was one of the most fascinating interviews, I think, we've done. So um, Ossetia is, I mean, it's even different again than the rest of the caucuses. Anyway, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he is Ossetian, the head coach. Um, One of the starters on the team is Ossetian, Alan Zagoyev. And he was actually, if you were watching the Croatia, ma- Croatia match, he was the first player on the Russian team to score a penalty kick. Uh, the first player mm-hmm. missed, and then Zagoyev scored. And if you were really watching closely, he was the guy who was like, everybody was a little discouraged because they missed a couple kicks, but he kept pumping his fist and cheer, like pumping everybody up. So yeah. he scored. Um, one of the backup goalies is a Setian, uh, Vladimir uh-huh. uh, Gab- Gabulov. Gabulov. And then there were two players who are uh, one's Russian and another has like Tajik roots, but they play on club teams here in the North Caucasus. They both play for cool. Akhmat Grozny, the team. It used to be Tarek Grozny, but it's Akhmat Grozny. For club teams, so do you have to, do the players have to actually come from the place or can they like trade around the country players as they want? Like in Russia, for example, there's three tiers of leagues. There's the top, uh-huh. the Premier League, and then there's uh, the second and third division. But the higher the division gets, the more international the roster gets. That's what I've noticed. Uh, the lower the division gets, the more the more local guys are playing. Yeah. Sure, that would make sense. Let's, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So there was a good number of several Setians on the squad, and then another starter for the team, Samedov, was his last name. He's actually mm-hmm. Azerbaijani, um, grew up in Russia, but has Azerbaijani roots from the South Caucasus. Uh, he was a guy, he was always unshaved. He was, he was one of the guys who had some like gray hair, some like salt and, salt and pepper on his salt facial hair. And yeah. Um, so yeah, so there was a decent representation of the Caucasus on the national team. And then even in the last year, uh, there have been two guys, Caucasus guys, called up to play for the national team. They weren't on the final World Cup squad, but Magomed Azdoyev, he's an English player, um, mm-hmm. and he plays for Zen- Team Zenit in St. Petersburg. He actually scored a goal 
in a in a Russian international match this past year. And then Magomed Mitrishev, he's Chechen, and uh, he plays on Akmat Grozny. So the Caucasus has a decent representative of players kind of on the Russian national scene. I'll say that's interesting because actually in preparation for coming to Russia, we enrolled our oldest son who then was five or something in a little tiny soccer league here in the U S because we don't have much soccer as you can tell in our blood or in a family. And we want him to feel confident. And this was one of those, like you put the kids out there, you put the ball out there, put the cones out and they just kind of run back and forth. All of them all the time, sort of just (laughs) yes, yeah, like a little snarl of children and they have a great time. And, um, and actually in our neighborhood, I expected a lot more soccer playing. I don't see that much of it from locals. I see a lot of international students playing soccer and maybe it's because we're right next to the university. Um, but it does seem that probably the reason, and tell me what you think about this, Andrew, I think at the amateur level, there's sort of not playing or there's like two hours of practice five days a week playing in your club or your team. It seems like there's not a lot of middle ground. There's it's sort of like you're going for <laughs> club or university level or not. Yeah. Do you think that's true? Yeah. Yeah. There's not like in the United States, there's a huge kind of recreation. Yeah. Um, kind of sports atmosphere where pretty much everybody right. can play everything. Yeah. And we call yeah, it the mediocrity level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Russian goalie, for example, I was reading up on the Russian goalie. He made some amazing saves in the match against Spain in the um, penalty kicks. But yeah, from age four, he was put in a, the top Russian soccer training school. Right. And so, I mean, they produced what the goal is, you know, like right, a world-class right, goalie. <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember I wanted to like find uh, gymnastics classes. We're interested. Oh, maybe. And everyone's like, Oh, you can go to this, this sports school in Pitigorsk, number 31. And, and you drive past it and it's like, doesn't look like a normal school. It's right. brand new. It's all corrugated metal on the side and big glass. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's like only sports with maybe a little bit of, math on the side or something. Yes. It's like, no, that's not what I mean. I still yeah. want the kid to learn to read. No offense. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So um anyways, a lot of connections with the World Cup and the Caucasus. And so now let's dive more into actual the place of football here in the North Caucasus. So to talk about historically the Caucasus with soccer or football, you have to go back to the Soviet Union days. Sure. Um, and so this, the Soviet Union was not just Russia. It was the South Caucasus countries, and it was 14 or 15 countries total. And right. so they actually, they were a powerhouse, the Soviet Union in soccer. Um, For sure. Their best, ever, their best ever World Cup finished, they finished fourth in 1966, Soviet Union. And they were the, the Euro champions in 1960. And then they actually won the Olympic gold medal in 56 and 88, the Soviet Union wow. team. So. They, um, every year there was called, it was called the Soviet or USSR cup. And it was basically the top teams playing for the top spot in the Soviet union. And the top two teams in the Caucasus were Dinamo Tbilisi, which is from Georgia. Mm -hmm. And then Ararat Yerevan, Yerevan, which is in Armenia. 
And man, the decade of the 70s was a good year. Uh, Ararat Yerevan won the Soviet Cup in 1973 and 75. Mm -hmm. And Dinamo Tbilisi won in 76 and 79. So they were like real players on the kind of national soccer scene, football right. scene. Um, and so in, within Europe, you have all these, every country has their own leagues. Uh -huh. And most of them are called some form of a premier league. In the Soviet Union days, it was called the Soviet Top League. And it was consistently uh, regarded as one of the top three leagues in all of Europe, the Soviet Top oh, League. Whoa. So this was really, yeah, really high quality um, football. But I, I can imagine if you're the Soviet Union, you have such a huge geographical spread that you can, you have just so many more people exactly. you have a bigger pool to draw from so you're going to get yeah. more talent that's true it's true yeah and I, when you look at the soviet like rosters i mean there were so many nationalities because yeah. they had so many you know lithuanians ukrainians right. from the caucasus countries um so yeah they really were really good um and then so you had those south caucasus teams that were really good but there also were some North Caucasus teams as well. And uh, the top team, probably the, the longest existing team in the North Caucasus uh, is Spartak Vladikavkaz. Uh, Spartak. Yes. And they've had different names over the years. They were called Alania Vladikavkaz, had some other names. But they were founded. Is that related to Sparta, like the Greek Sparta? You know, I should know that, but. You should. <laughs> Spartak is used consistently with a lot of uh, football team names. Um, yeah, but they were Spartak Vladikavkaz is probably the most famous team historically from the North Caucasus. They actually, in 1995, I want to make sure mm -hmm. I get this right. 1995. They, let's see here. Oh, my notes are so squished. <laughs> ah, they, they're the only North Caucasus team ever to win the Russian Premier League. It, uh, Spartak mm. Vladikavkaz won, yeah. Um, so uh, they've, in, in Russia now, of course, the Soviet Union doesn't exist. So the Russian Premier League replaced the Soviet Top League. That's the first division. <clears throat> right. Then you've got a lower second division and third division. But there's basically been four teams from the North Caucasus that have rotated in and out of the Premier League, the top league. That is Spartak Vladikavkaz, uh, Tarek Grozny, who just this past year changed their name to Akmat Grozny, hmm. Anji, Anji Mahachkala from Dagestan. Anji? Oh, Tarek yeah, Grozny. I think we talked about this. Uh -huh. Yeah, so uh, Tarek Grozny is from Chechnya, of course. Spartak Vladikavkaz from North Ossetia. Uh, Mahach Anji Mahachkala, Dagestan. And then Spartak Nalchik in kabardino Bokoria has been in and out of that league too. Hmm. Uh, and then there are a good number of other teams in the North Caucasus, but they've consistently been in the, the lower division, second or third division. Um, yeah, so uh, like Tarek Grozny, right now Tarek Grozny and uh, Anjiv Mahachkala are in the Russian Premier League. So they have pretty international rosters. They have players from right. Brazil on their teams, Romania, um, Albania. Um, Venezuela, several African players from Ivory Coast and Senegal. So yeah, it, it's a pretty good international uh, scene here in the North Caucasus. 
That's uh, very cool. Yeah. And probably if you, if you are a football fan, you probably know that the Russian Premier League is competitive in Europe. So how it works in Europe, you have the, it's called the Champions League, but they take the top club teams from all of Europe and then they play in their own league to determine the top club league in all of Europe. Um, in Russia, the, the teams that are consistently playing in that league are mm-hmm. Spart- Spartak Moscow, Lokomotiv Moscow, Zenit St. <laughs> Petersburg, and Seska, CSKA, Seska, which is in Moscow. Um, and the only Russian team ever to win the Champions League uh, was Seska in 2004 and five season. They won it, and their coach that year was an Ossetian. Valery Gazayev. He was a famous Ossetian player for the Soviet Union team. Um, So, yeah, um, Seska has consistently been a really good team. And Zenit St. Petersburg in 2007-8, they won. It's basically like the second-tier European tournament. It's called the Europa League, but they won that in 2007-8. So many leagues. It's like dizzying. It really is. Yeah, I know. I I knew a decent amount about it. But yeah, it is, it is a lot to take in. Now you know an indecent amount about it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to say. I mean, it, it basically goes to show like there's a good football scene here in the country and specifically here in the North Caucasus. And we're going to link in the show notes a really fascinating article this past, note, uh, past um, month was published by Al Jazeera. Uh, mm-hmm. the new source from the Middle East. But uh, they wrote a great article about Spartak Nalchik's uh, fan base. And uh-huh. basically the, the, the gist of the article, I think this is very well known to most uh, football fans around the world. There can be an element of like kind of ultra right, like nationalism that right. when you get all these, all these guys together and, uh, they get super fired up against other clubs and their fans, et cetera. Right, 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 right. Uh, but in Nalchik, uh, the Spartak Nalchik fans, like they actually have a reputation for being some of the most like basically welcoming fans because Kabardina Balkaria has so many nationalities, Kabardines, uh, Balkars, Russians, of course, other Caucasus nationalities. And so we'll, we'll include this link in the notes uh, for you to check out. but. The article, it's a little bit political in nature. We are not like going either way with any of that. But we do it, not endorse the views of those represented in the blah, blah, blah. But it really gives you a good uh, grasp for kind of the soccer team here in the North Caucasus and kind of the dynamics of that. And it's really cool. Uh, the kind of leader of, he's a Cupboardine guy, the leader of the, uh, fan club was given a ticket to the first match of the World Cup, Russia versus uh-huh. uh, Saudi Arabia. He was on the front row with uh, like a political official from Kabardina Balkaria, and oh. he hung he hung all the uh, flags from Kabardina Balkaria on the front row: a Circassian flag, a Balkar flag. And I remember I saw him when Russia scored a really? goal in the first in the first half. I saw the Circassian flag hanging there, the green flag. Oh man! And I was like, Christy, that's the Circassian <laughs> flag right there. <laughs> but there's a cool picture of it uh, in the article if you want to check that out. Um, 
Yeah, so there's some great pictures in the article of like fans like screaming their guts out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um I'm sure there's a good number of either uh bandwagon football fans or I know we have some diehard fans because we've heard from you, but yeah, we'd we'd love to hear um I don't know, interactions you've maybe you've been to Russia, some some football matches. Um but yeah, any questions yeah. you have. But yeah, it's it's has its roots deep here in the in the North Caucasus and um it's kinda I was ashamed how little I knew about it actually when I researched this being a sports fan and everything. <clears throat> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so really I definitely cool, have Andrew. goals. That's I have a deep goals. dive, man. I have I have goals to attend matches moving forward. Pitigorsk has a local team. They're they're at the on the third tier, not as good, but Yeah. I will say when I got to that bar in the woods to ask about uh soccer, I, I was surprised at first because I saw football on this or soccer on the screen playing, but it was actually local American club team soccer. And I guarantee uh, you that yeah. just happened to be what was next because I don't think anyone right. in that bar <laughs> like uh, was planning to watch that. Although, no although in Seattle, they do have a, a really good following for the, the major league soccer yeah. team there. Um, so yeah, good stuff. So listeners, this is actually going to be part one of a mini series about sports in the North Caucasus. Uh, part one of this was two. about part one of two. That's right. This was about football. Um, the next is going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be about wrestling and kind of hand to hand combat or martial arts. We've talked about that this, is my but... specialty. So I'll be taking the <laughs> helm at that one. You laugh a little yes. too hard. No, it's good. Look out. Uh, you will, this next episode coming up, you will walk away with fear and trembling at uh, the Caucasus men and their, their, oh, man. their fame, their fame in the wrestling uh, realm. Awesome. Good work, Andrew. Yeah. Always, I'm always excited to learn more about sports. That's right, man. Well, don't forget to reach out to us on our brand shiny new Facebook page, Caucus Talk. Uh, search for it on Facebook. One word, Caucus Talk. Uh, you can connect to us through through email or Pony Express um, <laughs> at podcast at caucustalk.com. Actually, one of the main courier services in Russia is called Pony Express, which uh, I just think it's funny. Um. And don't forget about our um, upcoming deadline for inquiry about the Caucus Talk Adventure, our February 2 through 9, 2019 trip, especially for our loyal fan base. But no nationalism. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And this is for <laughs> any listener from any part of the world. We, we're getting some interest right now from the state of Washington in the United States, but you can be from any any country. Uh, we would love for it to be an international affair going around the Caucasus. Right. Thanks for listening, listeners. Um, we appreciate you. Um, we look forward to interacting with more of you soon here on our Facebook page. This was episode 29, part one of a Sports in the North Caucasus miniseries uh, of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. We'll see you when you get here. Go!
nice.